This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Peace, Irvlands, and beyond. You are listening to a streetball mixtape from 30 for 30. For those who don't know me, my name is Seth Free. I'm a Jedi, a tastemaker, an entrepreneur, a man of the culture who's been involved in hip-hop and basketball for over 30 years. I'm actually the guy who put the music to the video footage of the legendary point guard, Rayford Skip to my Lou Austin, crossed the people up in the gyms and playgrounds all across New York City. The combination of hip-hop tracks and street ball highlights became what we know today as the And One mixtape. Hey, yo, check this out. This is Sway from the world-famous Wake Up Show with King Tech and DJ Revolution. And y'all about to view the N1 mixtape on video. The N1 mixtape was special because it was on a VHS tape. The tapes moved fast, from the illest crossovers and no-look passes to an incredible windmill dunk using hip-hop to heighten everything on the screen. When the mixtapes blew up in the late 90s, they took New York City and the world by storm. If you want to learn more about that era, check out the 30 for 30 film, The Greatest Mixtape Ever, now available on ESPN+. In this episode, we're going to share a collection of stories that explores the essence of streetball. Streetball, playground basketball, pickup, whatever you call it, is full of trash talk, no-look passes, and broken ankles. And you can find streetball at city parks and rec centers, pro-am leagues and NBA arenas, even in your driveway. It's the spirit of the game in its purest form. It's the culture of basketball. This is a mixtape from the culture, and you're going to hear from some of the people who love it and live it. People like God Sham God, Jamal Crawford, Chelsea Gray, and some names that might surprise you. So let's get it. I'm Seth Free, and you are listening to a street ball mixtape from 30 for 30. First of all, New York in the 90s is the best era of any era in the world, period. My name is God Sham God from Brooklyn, New York. Was McDonald's All-American. Went to LaSalle Academy. Then went to Providence for two years. Got drafted by the Washington Wizards. Assistant coach and player development for the Dallas Mavericks. Known as one of the best dribblers of all time. Some would say the best dribbler. Some would say one of the best, so you know. Just a kid from New York with a dream. I was born in Kings County Hospital 
I lived in Brooklyn until I was eight years old in Crown Heights and in Best Eye. People in the neighborhood was real loving. Mom's loving, father loving. My father used to train a lot of boxers at this boxing gym, so I knew how to fight. Around eight or nine, like my whole world changed. My father got arrested and he went to jail. So once that happened, my moms moved me and my little brother and my little sister to Harlem. Everything in Harlem was like a movie. Everybody's so like flashy. Everything is money. You have the Apollo, you have 125th Street. So it's just like a whole different world. I don't care who you are, you had to come through Harlem to be considered a celebrity, especially an African-American celebrity. So I went to a school called PS92, and my first day of class, I met a guy named Mason Betha, which the whole world knows as Mace, one of the best rappers ever. Me and him just kind of hit it off. And he was like, yeah, you know, we play basketball. And I was like, basketball? I was like, you know, I don't really know about basketball. I know about karate and wrestling. He was like, I'm going to take you to this game. He took me to this park called Rucker Park. And it was like so crowded. And I, I didn't know what they was doing because it was so packed. I have never seen this many people in one place in my life at that time. And it was so crazy because we couldn't really get in the park. He was like, we're going to climb on the gate and sit in the tree. So we climbed up there. we sitting in the tree. Everybody was going crazy. The ladies was dressed nice. The guys was dressed fly. There was so many cars, jewelry, flashy. And I was like, man, I got to learn how to play basketball. Basketball, when I really got into it and I really got it, like my brain just had like all these shockwaves, like endorphins just opening up, like just a happy space. And I just felt like this was a space I owned, like nobody could take this space from me. I saw how quickly I started learning and picking up on the stuff. Cause like I said, my father trained boxers and I was used to reading the stuff. So I was already a, a person that was disciplined. So if I liked something, I would practice it all the time. It's funny cause Mason, them, they used to go to parties. They'll walk past the park and they'll be like, oh, look at Shams. Like, what's he doing? Like, he's just keep, he's doing all this stuff. And then they'll come back from the party. Like three in the morning, I'll still be right there. I got to one point, I was practicing like eight hours a day. I used to be in the park dribbling and I used to always go to one side of the court because it had a light. And the light shined on the court and I always wanted at that spot because it, it would always show my shadow. So I, it, was, it was at one point for, this is for like a year and a half, I really believe I could shake my shadow. So I used to be dribbling so fast, like when I say like so fast, trying to shake my shadow. And then I got to a point where I started taking um, two pound ankle weights and put it on my wrist so I could practice dribbling and dribbling. So when I took, when I took it off my wrist, I would, my arms would move real faster. And 
to this day, I think I, I think I did it once. I think I did it once. It might sound crazy, but I really think I did it once. I think I shook my shadow one time. At that point, I wasn't even thinking about money. I worked so hard on my game, not for college, not for NBA, just to be the best at Record Park. It was like one of the biggest shows on earth. I remember being in Bentleys with me and Mace and Puff Daddy, as y'all know, Sean Combs, because I played with Bad Boy. You know, and I'm 15 years old. You know, and at this time, Bad Boy is like the hottest record label in, in the world. Coming to the games and shaking hands with Fat Joe, you were shaking hands with Jay-Z, you were shaking hands with Master P. That stuff where you're like, you want to say, like, you're like the people's champ. Like, you know, everybody, like, love you and recognize you. It's that Madison Square Garden feeling, but in the street. You know, just everything in the 90s was so crazy coming out of New York. If you look at the way rappers are now, the way rappers wear jewelry, the way rappers wear clothes, that's New York City streets right there. All day, every day. The style of basketball that's being played now, that's dedicated to Rucker Park, to street basketball. Being a coach in the NBA now, when I look, I laugh because I always say, man, if the NBA recognized the stuff they recognize now, back then, a lot of people I know growing up would have made it to the NBA because back then it was considered, oh, he's too fancy, oh, he's too this, he's too that. But now... The NBA is nothing but organized streetball. If you look at the way the players play, whether it's James Harden, Steph Curry, Chris Paul, whatever, they play just like the guys I grew up with. And I think that's why hip-hop and um, basketball are so close, because at one point, they said hip-hop wouldn't last. And then it became the forefront to everybody's story. And that's the same thing with streetball. It was like... Nah, that's not going. That's not going to last. And now it's crossed over till you got millions of kids knowing all the streetball players practicing their moves and taking things to the next level. All that time shaking his shadow definitely paid off for Sham God. There's a move named after him. They call it the Sham God, and it's one of the illest crossovers in basketball. To keep it a hundred. Not a lot of players get a whole move named after them. But if you can hoop, you might just get a nickname. You got guys like The Professor, Hot Sauce, Shane the Dribbling Machine, White Chocolate, Main Event, and Half Man Half Amazing, just to name a few. The great ones stick with us. But the thing is, nicknames aren't given, they're earned. And one of the people responsible for some of the best nicknames in the business is none other than Al Cash. Future. Future thinks about us. Technically guarded by the teacher. The teacher. Passes it. Over to the Black Stallions. Over to the franchise. Franchise. Bill Owen. Franchise. Yes. My name is Al Cash. I'm from Harlem, New York. I am one of the uh, creators of the style of streetball announcing that's been going on for the last 40 years at EBC Rucker Park. Me and my partner, Thomas Duke Mills, they called us Tango and Cash. Tango! I'm Cash! We'd like to welcome everybody to the world's most famous arena, Hoka Rucker Park. 
the home of the 20th annual Entertainers Basketball Classic. We was like the six men on both teams because you got 10 men out there and we was on the court with them, along with the officials calling the play-by-play. -play. No good. Rebound comes out where you're at, Chad. This is Showtime, Showtime. Oh, baby. I'm one of Harlem's first hip-hop DJs, so what I did was I brought my hip-hop style to the announcing. A guy might shoot a jump shot or do a crazy move, and I would say, I don't see no hands up, and then you got the whole park throwing their hands up. If you know anything about hip-hop, as far as DJs interacting with the crowd, throw your hands in the air and, and things like that, that's what I brought to the court. People would look forward to us being on the court, giving out a nickname, or cracking jokes. For a player to get a nickname, you had to earn that nickname. It's not like you come out there one time and we give you a nickname. No, 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 no. That's not the way it goes. It goes by you coming out maybe three, four games and earn that nickname. Malloy, uh, we called him the future. Everybody likes a future. Rest in peace to Conrad McQuay. We called him McNasty. You had the franchise, Baby Strick, Escalate. We gave Escalate his name. Kemba Walker, I used to call him Easy Pass. He had a handle, he was quick. You know, it's all about the personality of the player. The biggest nickname that me and my partner ever gave out was to Rafa Austin. This is Ray for Austin at point, a New York City playground legend. He was only 15 years old at the time. He had one of the greatest handles that came out in the park. And he had just shook a guy. And after he shook them, he looked back. And he started dribbling the ball real high, and he started skipping. So my partner started saying, skip, skip. And then I start going, skip, skip, skip to my loop. And the name just stuck with him. You know, just last year, they honored me and Duke up at the park. They inducted us into the EBC Hall of Fame. And that's when I really realized what we contribute to street basketball is incredible. Once again, this is your boy Al Cash, and you're listening to 30 for 30. I've gotten this nickname as Point God, but I think it really speaks to like how I see the game. I see steps and plays ahead. Gray zips it up the floor. Williams, you bet! Here comes Gray, the pirouette. Behind the back, no look. Oh, what exhibition! Chelsea Gray with an and one mixtape. Don't hurt Chelsea Gray. I mean, come on. What's up? I'm Chelsea Gray, born and raised in the Bay Area, California. I went to Duke University got drafted by the Connecticut Sun, got traded to L.A., won a championship there. Then I took my talents to Las Vegas. Streetball and, like, the not the having a structure on it 
It's really how I grew up, of learning how to compete at different parks, different rec centers, and figuring out how to fall in love with the game. And it just naturally happened because I would just go outside and hoop. I was in a co-ed league. Before that, I was playing with my brothers. I didn't grow up and be like, no, I can't play with the boys or no, I can't play with the guys. They would pick me first on their team and that's what it was. Most times, I was the only girl on the court, but I just felt that I was the only one in my neighborhood that wanted to hoop. Even going to 24-hour fitness during high school, a lot of times I was the only woman there. I remember the first time I walked into a 24-hour fitness, somebody looked at me and was like, you looking for somebody? And I said, no, I came to play. And they were like, oh, we have a lot of games going on right now. They only had four. And I was like, all right, I'm going to run with y'all. And they looked. I'd never forget it was like a look that's like, oh, no, oh, no. Like, how did this happen? There was an older guy that was like, okay, she could play with us. And I hooped. Hooping meant that they put the weakest defender on me and I was going to the basket, driving, passing, doing around the back passes, hitting threes. And so they had to switch the matchup, of course, and they got a better person on me and I was still hooping. You hear oohs and ahs from the sideline of people like walking into the gym trying to see who is this girl that's hooping. And they were like, hey, so do you hoop? I said, I didn't just get out here on the court and do all that. And no, I don't hoop. Would you ever ask a guy, hey, you hoop? From then on, when I walked in the gym, people already knew who I was. They were like, that's the girl that can hoop. Please leave a message at the tone. Hey, yo, Seth Free, I heard you were town. Yo, there's a game tonight at 8 o'clock. It probably won't start until 9 o'clock. It's going to be OD packed, yo. Meet me on the corner right around from the entrance, and I'll walk you in. B, I got you. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Got your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, humans. This is Set Free, and you're listening to a street ball mixtape from 30 for 30. Next up is Jimmy Smith. While you might not know his name, you definitely know his work. Jimmy Smith is an icon in the advertising world and has created ad campaigns for companies like Nike and Gatorade. He even worked as a consultant on the classic streetball-inspired video game, NBA Street, Volume 2. One of Smith's best-known ads is a commercial for Nike called Freestyle. In a spot which first aired during the NBA Finals in 2001, the sound of dribbling and sneakers squeaking are turned into a hip-hop track featuring NBA players and street ball legends. Nike Freestyle was a hit, but it didn't happen overnight. Smith had been pitching the idea since 1994 while he was working at the Wyden and Kennedy ad agency. Then one day, Smith was chatting with his boss, Hal Curtis, who suggested doing a commercial using the sounds of basketball to recreate the national anthem. Jimmy Smith, take it from here. I had to go behind my back between my legs and pull the okie doke. I couldn't tell him, yeah, like what we presented to you in 1990. I couldn't tell him that, right? Because it would be that. So I said, that's a good idea, dude. Hell, that's dope. Instead of the national anthem, why don't we make it a hip-hop beat and make it African Bombada's Planet Rock? And he goes, yeah, that's a good idea. And I said, and, and, you know, maybe we call it, what do you think? Maybe we call it freestyle? So as many black people would do sometimes, you know, even to buy a house. Well, I remember where we moved into the all-white neighborhood, dad had to use his white boss to be the guy who's buying the house. We're sitting in front of the client, Todd Pendleton. Well, I had Hal present the idea. Because <laughs> if I said the way I said it's going to put a different lens on it. And Hal goes, future, dribbles the ball, and throws it behind his back. Booger Smith catches it. He dribbles between his legs and then throws it behind his back the other way. Just like that. It's boring as hell. And I'm sitting up there going, shit, it's going gonna, it's gonna to die again. <laughs> We're not going to do it again. Fuck. And Todd goes, oh, that's great. Yeah, let's do that. What happens is it's on a, a black site, so everything is like it's on a stage, and it's dark, like you're on Broadway, and everything is black except for the player. And the player is dribbling to a beat, which is a hip-hop beat, and that hip-hop beat is, again, what you would hear from the sounds of the game. It's, it's whistles, it's squeaks, it's basketball dribbling, and they're dancing. You hear that term in basketball, he's dancing with the rock. Well, they're dancing to the beat, dribbling between their legs, and we cut it to make make it even more so that they're on beat. They're on the one, as Bootsy and George Clinton would say. And this is one of the first times that I can remember where a street basketball player is elevated to the level of an NBA player. 
And that's what you're seeing. It's just a beautiful art piece. I mean, we could have put it on the street, but we wanted to make it even more pronounced that what these guys are doing on the streets is artistry and is worthy to be praised. Some of Pro-Am leagues are a staple in the streetball world. For guys who play professionally, these leagues are a fun way to stay in shape during the offseason. For amateur hoopers and streetball players, they provide an opportunity to prove themselves against the elite competition. This was true for Jamal Crawford, who came up playing in a Pro-Am league run by NBA player Doug Christie. As a team playing against pros, Crawford got a glimpse of where basketball would take him. Next up, representing Seattle, Washington, it's Mr. Mixtape himself, Mr. Crossover, Jamal Crawford. I would consider myself a baller. And when you're a baller, you can play anywhere. If you see me play at LA Fitness, I play the exact same way as if I would play with 20,000 people in MSG. My name is Jamal Crawford. I'm from Seattle, Washington. I think I'm one of the ones to actually kind of bridge the street game and the NBA game together without losing either one of them. When I was younger, I was probably 11, 12 years old, and I was playing on the playground with the older guys. They were like my first trainers. The older guy who's been through it, who's made out of made to the NBA, but he's like, hey, we're not gonna just give you the ball and let you dribble. We're not just gonna, you gotta make this open shot. I would look at it if you're a rapper, like just being a cypher. You're in a pool hall, everybody's spitting their verse, everybody's rapping, and that's kind of how it was. And if you could survive that and, and do well there, uh, it gave you a whole different level of confidence. One champion has been crowned, one to go at the Kingdom at the WIAA 3A High School Basketball Championships. Now I'm a 16 year old kid and everybody knows me around town in high school. The Rainier Beach Vikings, led by the talented Jamal Crawford. I'm not saying this to brag whatsoever, but in Seattle at the time, the Sonics were here and, you know, they just went to the finals. But you can make an argument, especially if you go back and ask people from that time, that I was probably the third most popular basketball player, period. Like, Ken Griffey Jr. came and watched me in high school. Many people consider Rainier Beach's Jamal Crawford as the best player in the state of Washington, maybe the best player in the Northwest. My name had taken off so much that everybody's like, who is this kid? With the 17th pick of the 1992 NBA Draft, the Seattle Supersonics select Doug Christie from Pepperdine University. Doug Christie went to my high school 10 years before I did, won a state championship. My high school coach was like, hey, Doug you know, said you could work out with him. I'm like, what? If he says be there at 7 o'clock, I'm there at 6 o'clock outside waiting for him. I'm like, just teach me how to fish. Teach me what a pro is. And so he showed me. He was the first person I ever seen with a handheld foam roll. This was literally like 20 something years ago. I didn't know what that was. He's working out with ankle weights on. He's in supreme shape. I'm like, okay, so the best players in the best shape never get tired. Okay, I got it. Like, I'm just making all these mental notes. He's like, okay, come play with me at the program. So when Doug Christie was home in the summer, he would uh, sponsor these pro-am leagues. And it wasn't social media. It wasn't even in the newspaper. Like, it was just flyers that, hey, this run is going on. It's $5 to get in. It was really for the pros to stay in shape and give them a platform and, you know, just to play against the best. Let's match up. That platform was invaluable, especially for a young player like me. 
at that point, I'm like, okay, you're playing against pros and some of these pros can't really check you. And that's when I was like, okay, you're gonna play at the NBA. With the eighth pick in the 2000 NBA draft, the Cleveland Cavaliers select Jamal Crawford from the University of Michigan. Jamal Crawford, he grew up in the Seattle area. And in fact, he played a lot of summer ball with Doug Christie, Sean Kemp out there in the Seattle area. It's, uh, owned his game and really credits Doug Christie a lot with refining his skills. Crawford, high-arching three, a rainbow from Jamal Crawford. Crawford has it against Ray Allen. Doing his thing. <laughs> Pretty crossover, as we said just a couple of minutes ago, maybe the best in the NBA right now. As Doug is getting later in his career, he's like, I want you to take over the pro -Am. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. He said, because I know you're going to do right by it. And so it was an honor for me. And I took over in 2005, and here we are, 2022. It was Doug Christie's Pro-Am, and then it was Seattle's Pro-Am. And then, you know what, that had did well, but you said, let's let's name it the crossover. Because at the time, I had just got Twitter, uh, and that was Jay Crossover. And so I said, let's name it the Crossover League, because every other Pro-Am in the country has a name, like the Drew League or Miami Pro-Am. But I said, I think the crossover is different, has a ring to it, let's run with that. It means so many things to so many different people. You know, there's a guy who's 70 years old, I see every single year. He's been coming since back when I was in high school, and he just comes, doesn't bother anybody, just watches the game, but I always notice him and make sure I go talk to him because he's the essence of the old pro You know, and now we've expanded it to where we have kids play. We have the, the young women come play. Some of them, it's the first time they've ever had their name called on the microphone or ever played in front of that many people. And it's just a melting pot for everybody. So at this particular time, I think it means more now than it ever did before. Crawford might not say it himself, but make no mistake, he's one of the most electrifying guards in NBA history. If you saw Crawford play over the course of his 20-year career, you know what I'm talking about. From the Pacific Northwest, we're heading south. Some of the best basketball in Texas is at the Fundy Recreation Center in Houston. For Dwayne Rogers, who didn't play in college or the NBA, the Fundy is where he matched up against NBA stars, which created opportunities for him to play overseas and with the Harlem Globetrotters. He calls Houston home, and Houston calls him a legend. Here is Dwayne Rogers. I was a bucket getter, man. That's what I do, I get bucket. My name Dwayne Rogers. They call me the legend. I'm from Houston, Texas. I grew up in Trinity Garden. I went to Cashmere High School, and I'm proud to say I played at Fundy Recreation Center. Fundy Recreation Center, it is a place that everyone all over the world, Charles Barkley, Shaq, all of them came down there just to play and see what everybody talk about. Just like Rucker Park, outdoors, that's how fun it was, indoors. If you can play, you're gonna go to Fundy. 
And if you can't play, you're going to go to fund it and you're going to watch. You will not touch the court. Moses Malone, he was the foundation for us over there. You know, he kept everything together right there, you know, and funded. You know, like when you got a, a name like Moses, Elijah Warren, Clyde Drexler, Kenny Smith, Sam Cassell, people want to follow you, you know what I'm saying? Because they know if they in the gym, it must be some, some hooping in the gym. It was just like, this is where you want to be. When I first played against Penny Hardaway, he was telling me I was too little. He's six, seven. I'm six foot. I really was too little. But you know what I told him? You got to play on the other end. You got to play on the other end too now. Out of all of them, the hardest person I ever had to guard was Sam Cassell. Sam Cassell was he just crafted. He real crafted. He used to post me up a lot because he had the post moves real tough. Guarding him was a problem. That's my toughest opponent ever. I don't care who I play against. I feel that I am the best player. Going against some of the great ball players, and I know when I walk in the gym, <laughs> if I didn't step my game up, I wasn't going to get to play. And that's the mindset I have when I play. You know, it's a wall of fame in funding, right? All the pros on there. I'm the only outside, non-college basketball player on the wall of fame. I love that people recognize what I done put in on the basketball court in Houston, you know. I really, really, really care that they look up to me like that, you know. Really, I'm truly blessed. The fun is there for me. This is the legend, and you listen to 30 for 30. Yo, Free, what's good? I was at Dykeman last night. You missed it. The games was crazy. They was going off. Hit me. Back in the 90s, the And One mixtape blew up because it was the perfect blend of hip-hop and basketball. Because they was on a VHS tape, you could watch them again, again, and again. If you think about it, the only reason we had these tapes is because somebody picked up a camera and filmed what was happening on the court. Fast forward 30 years, and the tradition lives on. And it does crazy numbers on social media and YouTube. The next two people you're going to hear from understand using the internet to showcase what they could do with The Rock. Coming to you from Los Angeles, California, it's Kenny Chow and Ryan Carter, a.k.a. The Hezzy God. Hey. Oh, good deed. Hey. Good deed. A lot of hand checking. Waiting on the snatch. Short. What snatch? That's money. No. Ah. Scout report. Make Kenny dribble. Nah, don't make me dribble. Make him dribble. Make Hezzy shoot. Please. My name's Kenny Chow, YouTuber. I do a little bit of fitness, trading cars, but basketball is pretty much what I'm known for online. Pretty much the underdog in the whole basketball scene. Just try to, you know, prove my case that, uh, Anyone can play basketball and just be out there as long as you got the mental, the physical, you know, you just got to put in the work. So that's what I do. Hey. Oh, I'm there, Hezzy. 
You you on? You watching the videos? On, you know it's coming. We watch the videos. Yeah, okay. Skyport says yeah. Okay. I'm Ryan Carter, aka the Hezzy God. Ooh. My part in this is bringing back street ball. I think I brought back the true street ball style as far as play, as far as trash talk, as far as showing that street ballers are just as good as pros in a sense, can do pro things. I'm one of those players that. In an organized game, your coach is like, hey, watch that player. He's a great player. But on the street ball court, I'm that player that the coach is like, don't watch what he's doing. You want the nutmeg so bad. I do want the nutmeg so you. bad. Here it goes right here, too. Bye-bye. This game. The whole YouTube scene, to be honest, like, Kenny Chow kind of introduced me to it. Yeah, so I was at a run at MAPS in Orange County. Yeah, and I did I wasn't even in his run. I just went to go watch because everyone was like, oh, this and that. And I was just like, what's yeah, going I was, on? I was like, I couldn't miss that day. Yeah, he was real. going like, crazy. I and I was miss. like, I was like, what's going on here? And there was some high-level profile dudes playing. Like it wasn't just like a regular run, right? So I went and it was literally the game winner. Like this dude made someone fall and everyone went crazy. Like, I, like everyone stopped. And it's like, is he going to make the shot? Is he going to make the shot? Of course he made the shot, you know? So it was game. And, like, I was like, dude, I need to know who this guy is. Like, I was looking at him, found him on Instagram. I was like, bro, let's play. We played 1v1, and he kind of found out, like, bro's like a legit yeah. hooper. Like, you know, I grew a following from people seeing me on Kenny's page, and then other people started to reach out to me. Um, building those relationships with people who are already in the YouTube game kind of helped me continue to grow. Rebound. Don't leave me open, Hezzy. As far as YouTube, you got to kind of find your niche. Like, I could name multiple good basketball players, you know? Like, I could name all kind, like, crazy players that people have never seen on the internet. If you're really good, but you're not entertaining, it's kind of like, well, you're just kind of like the next, the regular dude that I've seen at the park. That's how I see what Hezzy got. He's good at basketball, but he will trash talk you out of your game. You know what I'm saying? That's what everyone... He's low-key known as the villain. That's what you call now, yeah, right? Like yeah, the yeah, villain. Sure. And he's just been kind of going off of that. And that's why I tell people, if you got a niche or, like, people start liking you for something, you take it, like, full throttle. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like you people, have to. Like, as much as people love the superhero, they love the villain love just the as villain. much. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? And it's just like, dang, the villain actually comes off as a superhero the more you start to watch him you know what yeah. I'm saying and it's just like like Kenny said I just kind of rolled off of that you know what I'm saying I didn't I didn't change who I was I just kind of kept it authentic oh, oh yeah out there out there yeah out there hey oh. saucy out there for the most part they might not see it but they're gonna hear the shoes squeaking they're gonna be like what they was doing running track <laughs> can you shoot though can I shoot yeah Let's hear the net sound. No. There's potential for a viral clip every time I step on the court. And so if I'm playing twice a day and I make two people fall, those are two viral clips that I can post in two separate days yeah. that'll get me multiple hundreds of views, likes, and things like that. And so that's what I tell people. Just, bro, just go do it. But make sure you document it. Because in today's world, if it wasn't documented, it never, it never happened. happened. You could have dunked on nine people. You know what I'm saying? Your yeah. team and the other team. And if nobody documented it, it didn't yeah. happen. It only happened to the people who were there. That's why I tell people, just document everything. Because you never know. Oh, yeah. Nope. Nope. I'm here. Oh, that's... No way. I'm done! What? <laughs>
That's all, folks. It's a wrap. It's me, Set Free. I'm signing off. I hope y'all enjoyed the 30 for 30 streetball mixtape as much as I did. These stories got me thinking about the essence of streetball, and I don't think it's just one thing. Streetball is an art. It's a community. Nicknames, shaking your shadow, and hooping at the gym. It's whatever you make it. So get out there, fam. Find a court, lace up your kicks, and get in the mix. For 30 for 30, I'm set free, and I'm out. Peace. Streetball Mixtape is narrated and produced by me, Seth Free Richardson. Producer is Gus Navarro. Line producer is Kath Sankey. Our production team, Marquise Daisy, Adam Newhouse, Tara Nadalny, Riley Bloom, Trevor Gill, Chidozi Onaniwu. Executive producers, Marsha Cook, Brian Lockhart, and Rob King. Original music by Sam Bobian. Voicemail skits featuring Bobito Garcia and Jadakiss. Mix engineering and sound design, John Nathans, Michael Levesque, and Griffin Diamato at Plush NYC. Additional production support, Dave King. Licensing, Jennifer Thorpe and Andrew Blum. Sean Trey K. Mack is our talent director. Cherie Stevens is our associate talent director. Frank Morrison created the original artwork. Roger Jackson provided fact checking. Alan Lau provided legal review. Special thanks to Brenda Salinas Baker and Susie Lee Yu from ABC Audio. Plus Julia Lowry Henderson and Kristen Lapis. And thank you to everyone who made time to speak with us. 